Hello, you're listening to Our Walk, the podcast that talks to real people with real stories about a real God. My name's Luke. And my name's Steve. And this week we're talking to Neville. Steve, how are you this week? I'm good. I'm very good. I'm wearing my new favourite hoodie. I got, I, got it, I got it for £3 because I got a gift voucher and there was a sale on, so I'm wearing it all the time at the moment. You're boring that audience. <laughs> this story. Okay. How are they you, Luke? They can't see the hoodie, how, can they? Well, <laughs> if they know me, they'll see me wearing it. How, yeah, how are you this week? I am cold after a wet day at work because rain has been constant. Mm. So yeah, I'm you're boring our audience, Luke. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, I'd just like to remind our audience where you can find us or get in contact with us. We have a Facebook page. You just search our walk. If you are a Twitterer, you can follow us on Twitter at our walk pod. If you'd like to email us, uh, get in contact, ask questions, give feedback, or you'd like to be part of the show yourself, you can um, our walk pod at gmail.com or you can visit our website where you'll find every episode of the podcast, blogs, and much more to come, ourwalkpod.com. Now, this week is very special. Very our special. Our guests, please, everyone, welcome the pastor of Light Spring Church, our pastor, Neville Hollands. How are you today, pastor? I'm really good, thank you, Luke. Awesome. Good. Are you, are you cold? Have you been indoors I, today? I've been cold. I've been indoors and it was cold, but mm. um, I'm a bit warmer now. I've got warm. my coat on. <laughs> you're still wearing your coat, so you're still staying warm. Coat, good. Yeah. <laughs> Can't expect you to freeze on us during the course of this recording yeah true <laughs> um great so you know how this works we'll just remind the listeners so we've got three parts to each episode part one is where we talk about your childhood and upbringing and before you met god part two is how and when you met god and then part three is everything that happens after you met god um so let's let's get right into it yeah um Talk to us about your, your birth and your upbringing and your family your life. Your birth. <laughs> Talk us through the details. No, I'm My memory's not too good with my birth, but... Um, no, I can't imagine anyone's memories. I arrived just over 60 years ago, and I'm the eldest of four children. Right. Um, brought up in a Christian family, uh, quite, quite a devout Christian family, actually. Yeah. And uh, so from my earliest recollection... We went to church on Sundays, uh, even up to three times a day, and um, that was our normal life. Um, so I understand I was actually immersed in water as a two-week-old baby. Right. Uh, again, I can't remember that very well either. <laughs> but, uh, um, but but uh, I, I guess that's just an expression of the um, devoutness of my mum and dad and their Christian faith. Quite, quite a strict upbringing and um, we were involved in what were known as Brethren churches at the time mm-hmm. and uh, they prided themselves on their knowledge of scripture um, and uh, so I guess we brought up really with an understanding of the Bible and uh, you know, what, what a commitment to God looked like. Brilliant. Uh, what was school life like for you as a child? Like, What was it like? Well, school life was, I mean, the, the, my main memories would be of secondary school. Right, okay. Um, which was a local school in Reading. I mean, I've been in Reading all my life, so mm-hmm. primary school was in Woodley. Um, but secondary school was, uh, yeah, that was an interesting time because yeah. it was Mostly at that time everyone. when you were, I was a lot involved in church. I wasn't really committed to church and yet was known as a Christian and so there was a bit of ribbing. 
Um, in fact, I was Reb Nev there right. by, by the end of my time. Why have we not yeah. thought of that before? Oh, Reb Nev. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you missed out on that one. Yeah, uh. it's like that. Um, but um, it, it, it had its good times, yeah. um, and th- there were some tricky times too. I mean, I, I just remember one occasion when we used to play football over the ref all the time, and uh, I don't know, there was a whole lot of swearing and bad language, and we got reported to the headmaster. Oh. And I remember the my friends, they're saying, no, but Neville wouldn't have been swearing, he doesn't have to do the litter picking, which was our punishment, you know, please let him off, um, which he dutifully did, and I think to myself now, and I just accepted that, but I should have really offered to help, shouldn't I, all the time, because they were my friends, but, uh, so, so I was standing out, but whether I was standing out in a good way, I'm not sure. Mm. Were you ever, not necessarily bully, but uh, were your friends who weren't Christians or weren't going to church at school and stuff, they were uh, fully aware you were going to church and brought up in a Christian family. Uh, was there any, again, not bullying, but just comments that about you? Anything like that? Yes. I mean, funnily enough, I used to have a little badge, a Christian badge, and, and I used to go to Crusaders, which um, also had a Christian badge. and right. So I was quite bold in the sense I would wear that to school on my blazer or, or what have you and uh, and it did cause a lot of yeah, some ribbing and some good conversations at the same time but um, I wasn't really living life enough to go along with my mm. faith so uh, yeah so I was one of the lads but at the same time just to the back a little bit when it came to language or later on going out for parties and, and drinks you know I pulled back a bit there and, and stuff like that. Mm. So how how much of you wearing that badge and kind of trying to be Christian but not quite, how much of that was like you kind of consciously deciding and how much of it was kind of like your parents' influence? No, it was, it was totally my choice. In fact, I think my mum and dad were a bit embarrassed oh, by right. it, even though okay. they might have bought me the badge or yeah. something or, or the potato <laughs> one I got at some time. But um, you know, your, your, your son, Jesus saves or whatever it was, Jesus lives, I can't remember, but the badge there is... is a bold thing to, to wear um, and as a teenager going to school and that in fact I remember some of the teachers ruining it, it must have been Jesus says mm-hmm. but, you know, is, is he a good mm-hmm. goalie you know it was that sort of thing coming from mm-hmm. from teachers I mean I think my friends just accepted it was a bit strange and they oh, accepted oh, that's yeah. 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 but these days you know, quite, well, I was never really in the in gang you know I was always just on the edge of that so so maybe that had some reflection of it on it too mm. So how, um, I, I think, am I right in saying you kind of fully committed to God and kind of, he became real to you fairly young, didn't he? Yeah, no, that's right. So, um, so my mum and dad, they left this more strict group of churches and we ended up at what was, well, is Southgate Mission. And that was freer from their point of view, but um, it, was, it was, they had annual youth camps and from the age of 10, we began to go to these camps. And again, it seems really strange now, but as 10, 12 year olds, anyhow, 13 year olds, 14 year olds, who couldn't wait to go, what girls might be there. Um, you know, it, it wasn't like a real focus of spiritual refreshment that we were going to, to meet the girls and, and, and to have a good time. But um, we loved those times. And, and I remember maybe his 11-year-old saying, yes, I want to give my life to the Lord and mm. yeah, come back next year and give my life to the Lord again and come back next year. And I just remember at 13 thinking, well, I can't keep doing this every year. Either I've given my life to the Lord or I haven't. And so I sort of made a, 
in a decision that I'm not going to keep doing that. It must count from now on. So in, in one sense, I would say 13, I sort of made a commitment to mm. being a Christian, but nothing really changed yeah. at that time. So presumably he kind of, uh, well, I don't know what we call it, we kind of call it the, the moment or moments mm. where God, it all kind of springs to life, you know, you've got this yeah. seed or this burden. Mm. Presumably that was a later. Um, yeah. which we'll find out about a bit later. But yeah. I, I just want to ask you a little bit about uh, old, being the eldest of mm. four. Uh, now, I know all of your siblings and a lot of your family because there's a lot of them here at Lyspring. And you know what it's like to be the oldest of four. And the oldest of four. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we've got a lot in common. Um, but so being the eldest of four in a, a Christian family and kind of giving your committing to the way of Christianity fairly early on. What kind of, I don't know, what kind of goes through your head? Like, did you feel like you had a lot of responsibility for your siblings or...? Do you, do you want to be honest with you? I don't think I felt anything really. I was, my mum and dad always went to church. I think there was a sense where we probably all thought we were Christians anyhow. At that youngest age, nobody was rebelling and going their own way. Um, so I wasn't setting a particularly good example or looking anything different from any of the rest of my family. We've, as, as we got older, we all would go to the camp anyhow and um, probably all put our hands up or whatever at the same time. So, so it was very much, yeah, just, just an individual response. Mm. And I'm not sure my brothers and sisters even notice anything. Mm, right. probably, nothing, probably nothing to notice, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd like to ask a question. Yeah, you know, when you're a teenager, you're in that period of, like, you know, you're growing up, you're trying to figure out who you are, what life is, and stuff. You know, lots going through your head. Uh, you mentioned at the age of 13, you kind of made that um, commitment, you know, it, your choice and stuff. Uh, but after that moment, being in this world that we live in, what kind of struggles were there for you? Like, was there ever moments where the non-Christian lifestyle was appealing to you? Not to the extent where I was drawn into it in a big no, way. Yeah. Um, as I got older and beer came into my life, you know, I would go and drink with my mates. Um, but I, I never got drunk. Mm. You know, I, I always kept, held, held that back a bit. I am, I was quite shy, so I never got involved in the big party type stuff right. either. Um, football became the thing that, I, that you know, we played and we enjoyed, and, and Manchester United was the team that I really began to support. Um, you know, do you still support them? Stuff. I do. Oh yes, dear, I, I, right, end this interview, no. done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, and we went through 25 barren years of nothing else to shout about, but, um, but um, no, no, but... Um, so, so, so it was more on the football side of things yeah. with friendships um, and you know, we had football teams at Crusaders when I was out there and um, yeah so um, yeah so I never really got pulled into big worldly yeah. things in a, in a really big way mm. Mm. so your parents you said they're quite devout you brought up that way mm. where did your parents faith come from only because I'm quite interested because some people bring up their grandparents and how their grandparents kind of we've had I think it was Helen had her grandma that was kind of feeding her spiritual mm. life more yeah. than her parents necessarily. Yeah. Um, so uh, where did your parents find their faith? Were they, did they kind of, you know, were they new or was it? Yeah, no, my dad was brought up in a, a Christian, strong, devout Christian home. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum's mum my was a strong Christian and, and, her, and her father was a more nominal Anglican um, 
who would put up with the more devout expression of Christianity. Um, and they had a, a good marriage and he supported my mum's mum. Um, but uh, so, so they were both, their, their, their families mm. were all Christian. Um, of course they met and yeah. they met in, in the brethren circles and so they just, um, yeah, continued in those yeah. traditions. So that, uh, yeah. I, a very strong kind of Christian support network, kind of all around you. Really, yes, and they're, they're, they're brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts, yeah, it, it was Christian knee all the way through sort of thing, yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm going to suggest we end part one. Okay. And let's move on to part two and find out about the moments uh, leading up to when God kind of sprung into life <laughs> in you um, back in a moment. Yeah, I'm just sorting out my hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the hat. It's, it's uh, a good look. It's a good um, look for me. I'm, I feel like I'm being a bit too hipster. Oh, sorry. Were you going to talk to Nev there? Sorry. Oh, yeah. I'll oh, shut up. <laughs> I was only going to ask Nev if he likes to wear a hat, though. Well, um, there's others I prefer, though, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, that's true. That is true. So I've been... Quick little story. I've been abroad with uh, our pastor Nev here three times in Bogota, Uganda, and Cyprus last year. Mm-hmm. And... No, where was it? Uganda. The, the, the hat. hat. I bought like a little hat. It kind of looked like a Stetson, like a cowboy hat, but you know, it, it wasn't. Um, and I was obsessed with it. <laughs> I was like, this is my new look now. But they were quite... Um, they weren't like made well, so throughout time, throughout weeks, it kind of got a bit like tattered and stuff. So yeah, but for those who slept in it, as well as uh, lived in it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> um, I might bring it back one day. Maybe. Maybe. Get a new one. <laughs> That'd be exciting. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Nev, uh, we, we've gone over your childhood mm. and how you committed to Christ in when you were about 13. Mm. Um, but you also mentioned how, you, you know, you weren't fully committed. Your life didn't really change that mm. much. So can you talk to us about the can if you can remember the the moment or event that kind of brought it all to life or moments leading up to that kind of yeah sure sure so i mentioned um the christian camps we used to go to the annual youth camps year after year and continue to go to those and i mentioned the main reason and uh um and it was a bit of one of these camps yeah um we met a girl well she used to be in the church all the time but i was going to be quite like me and I was quite pleased about that, quite liked her, and we began to, to go out with, with each other. Um, and so for maybe two or three years, you know, we, we, were, we were going out. And in fact, um, got engaged to her as well. Right. And um, so it was all getting quite serious. Um, but uh, she, she began to study away from home. And something just came in between and, 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 and the, the, the relationship didn't develop and um, we broke off the engagement and right. well, I broke off the engagement and it was a very painful time, particularly for her, but um, it was painful, embarrassing and everything else, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. So, so that, at that age I would have been about 17, 18, something like that. Mm. And I remember thinking at that time, having felt a little tied with an engagement, I just want to go out with girls, I just want to watch Manchester United. Um, 
you know, something else I was going to under the third thing. Mm. And that became my focus in life. So although I was a Christian, it really was quite nominal. And, uh, um, and, and that would have been my aims in life at that time. Um, so they were praying for me at the church because I really wasn't being where I should be and doing what they expected me to do. And I was a bit insulted, offended that they wanted to pray for me as, mm. if, as if I needed prayer. But uh, thankfully they did and I continued to come to these uh, camps. And I remember one of the camps, somebody was speaking on criticism. Now, I was one of the most critical people <laughs> ever. Right. And um, by now, the church expression had become a little bit more lively and there were more songs rather than hymns and guitars rather than organs or what have you. You know, the whole thing had um, moved up a gear or two. But I could never understand why they would sing a song twice or three or four or five times. Mm. So I just refused to sing more than once, you know, and uh, my hands were firmly in my pockets and I couldn't understand what people were getting excited about God or anything else. I Critical of them, critical of everything. And this guy was speaking on, don't be critical. And it was just like a little crack appeared in my thinking, in my heart, actually. And... Um, a little bit convicted for the first time ever, I think, you know, about my attitude. Anyway, young guy um, in the camp. Um, I remember an incident during that week, 12 o'clock at night, decided we'd go up to the church at the top of the field and sort of broke into the church and started ringing the bells and I remember the organisers of the camp rushing up to see what was happening and uh, about... Ten of us, maybe. Uh, we ran out of the church, and I remember lying in the field, hiding as he was coming down with his, the car. And I could see the headlights getting closer to me. And I had to run out of the way. He probably couldn't see me. And uh, and of course, we all got a real terrible towing off, and uh, then he got sent home and everything else for being such a, a naughty crowd. And um, and that affected me too. That mm. broke me. I mean, I was not used to being in the bad lot like that, and so. A couple of more negative incidents, this thing on criticism and then this, this situation where we nearly got sent home, I think probably had an effect on me at that time. Cut a long story short, my mum and dad were in holiday. Um, on the Sunday after the camp, we were going to have some baptisms, people giving their lives to the Lord at the camp. And I had to go and pick my mum and dad up from the airport, so I missed the baptisms. Came back to the church where they were, they were still there, the meeting had finished. And I just picked up a guitar and just started to strum away and a few people gathered around and we had a little sing-song <laughs> and God just came down. It was unexpected, it wasn't intended, um, we were just minding our own business, probably five, six of us. Um, and I was just filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. and wow. Didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Um, and it didn't happen to everybody. I think one or two others as well. Yeah. It was just a God moment out of the blue. Yeah. And um, well, as you can tell even now, I'm mm. emotional about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how to express myself. I was just full of love for God and for people. And I was quite shy. And, and yeah, I just wanted to hug anybody and everybody, which was so un-me. Yeah, did us a little bit, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was just something had to break out, you know. And um, we went back to K 
camp that night. Um, we were just on clearing up shift now, you know, and I remember hearing in the morning um, worship. Well, worship was just irrelevant to me before. It was boring. It was hands in pockets and I thought, nobody told me there was going to be worship time and I rushed out of the tent, got changed, put clothes on, rushed to where the music was and it was just somebody's tape recorder playing in their tent. Mm. And I was so disappointed and, and, and I found after that there was a hunger. I just, I wanted to be where God's people were. I wanted to worship. I just, and I think worship at Life Springs has been a strength. And I'm not saying it's come from me, but the, the value and the heart and the yeah, ethos yeah, of yeah, that of was born those sort of years ago. You yeah. Know? And um, yeah, so, so my life just changed. Wow. And, and it was a real God moment. And maybe for nine months, I was working in a building society at this time, and maybe for nine months, there was just that real sense of presence of God with me in the office, um, bouldering my witness uh, to my colleagues. Um, yeah, just a walk with God. And um, you, might, you might have heard me say before, I mean, I think my mum and dad realised something was up when, when I started to do the washing up and uh, <laughs> without, being, without being asked to do it, you know, yeah, and yeah, what, yeah. What, what has gone on, you know, and it, a little, so little thing, but it just stood out and it wasn't me thinking, what can I do to impressed my dad it was just like something on the inside had changed so yeah that was a very very significant time I was 19 at the time and uh, that was significant for me that's amazing wow yeah that's it's it's uh, can you remember what you I mean you said you were just I mean first off you can play the guitar I can strum I can strum I mean that's news to me Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, also like can you remember kind of what what song or was it just any kind of words and then it kind of yeah. no there was a selection of new songs at that time yeah. which I can remember those songs I can't remember which particular mm. one it was there but um, yeah no um, it would have been simple if I could have played it so uh, um, yeah but uh, yeah it was just that God came down mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, so unexpected so if you could uh, explain Neville like in this moment, before and after that moment, mm. what your sort of image of God was like to you, because you said that you were a bit sort of critical and you know, after mm. that you ended that engagement, you know, it, it just kind of knocked you down a little. So therefore, you know, and it happens with everyone, you know, something happens, something bad happens, you start to have doubts or criticisms or just like asking God why. Mm. Um, so what were your sort of, what's your image that you had of God before this moment, and then how does that compare to sort of after that moment? I think what I'd say, Luke, is it was religious before God. Right. I, I knew the stuff in my head mm-hmm. brought up. God was distant. God. I probably had my questions. Does God really exist? Mm. And I remember afterwards thinking, I'm never going to question that again. I know He does because of what I've just experienced of him, you know. So so there was much more of a closeness. Mm. Um, my, my picture probably wasn't clear, but uh, there was a closeness to, to God. Um, and I, I think for me, the Holy Spirit became very, very real. Yeah. And um, I, I, I used to say, you know, yeah, Jesus, I understood. I thought I understood Father, probably didn't, but do more now. But, but the Holy Spirit, and now I was just beginning to understand 
more of his role and experience him more. And uh, yeah. so that, I think, was the significant thing. And, and I think it's him, him in us that changes us anyhow. Yeah. So, yeah. What was your understanding of the Holy Spirit before you kind of had that relationship with him? I don't think there was one, Steve. Um, you know, they used to say Father, Son, and the Holy Scriptures. And, uh, right. you know, that would have been like the brethren, mm. God, Jesus, and Bible. Um, they obviously did believe in the Holy yeah, Spirit, yeah. but there was no teaching, there was no understanding that I picked up anyhow, you know. Mm. It, it was experience and the teaching came mm. after I was baptized in the yeah. Spirit. And this was in the beginning of the charismatic movement, or mm. maybe that had been going on for five or ten years, but yeah, so we were beginning to get influenced by the charismatic movement, which had a big emphasis on the Holy Spirit and gifts. Mm. Cool. Yeah. I think we're going to end part two there. Uh, because I imagine, uh, obviously I'm not insinuating you're old person, <laughs> but you, you, you said, you know, you were, you were 19 at this moment yeah. and now we come to, you know, you now you're a part of church. I imagine we've got a lot to sort of get through in part three about sort of what changed your life. So we're in part two there. We'll be back in a bit. So, Pastor Nev, we have listened to part two uh, to you talk about that sort of really powerful uh, Holy Spirit-filled moment in your life. And you touched on a little when you, you know, you mentioned about your parents sort of saw a difference when you come home, what, you know, washing the dishes and stuff. Um, can you tell us a bit more? And maybe they told you, maybe they didn't, or it just sort of came out later in life. What other parts of your characteristic, you know, your, your character sort of changed? What other people sort of noticed in you that changed from that moment? Oh, right. Well, yeah, okay. Tough um, question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I mean, it was my mum and dad picked up. They noticed that practical side of mm. stuff. Um, I think for me, there was more of a hunger for God and, and, and it was more on the spiritual side than the word side. Mm. I mean, that, that came later, I think. Um, a real desire to experience him more. Um, so I, I think I, it was probably people began to see the difference which was occurring in my life. So I was freer in the worship side of stuff, anyhow, and, and stuff like that. But but also more passionate and more committed to God. Mm. Um, and so within months or a year or so, um, I was being asked whether I would become an elder in the church. Okay. And okay. Uh, and I don't think it was I was standing out above all the others, but maybe I was hungrier. Maybe, you know, I, I just want, you know, I was, I was there at the six o'clock prayer meetings at, uh, um, on those Sundays all those years ago. And then my brother John joined me, you know, four of us, you know, it wasn't like a big thing. I was the one that was there prepared to open up the building and giving out the hymn books and uh, just doing anything I could to serve. So I saw those sort of things get noticed, don't they, even mm. though you might not, not doing it to be noticed, but people begin to realise there's a little bit more of an interest and a hunger. And, uh, and we began to go to some Bible weeks um, yeah. at the time, which were fairly new as well. And I was so caught with some of the teaching which was coming out there on the Kingdom of God particularly. But, um, and, and, and it just began to affect my life, change my life, change my outlook, you know. And so, so in the simplicity of my understanding at that time, I, I, I guess... I was more interested in putting God first than following a career. 
Um, it might have been following a career that's putting God first, but, uh, but you know, for me, I began yeah. to feel maybe that is secondary mm. and there's another plan that God's got for my life. Mm. Brilliant. Uh, what about um, sort of friends outside of church or people you were sort of hanging out with or like is there any sort of social groups outside of church? Um, what sort of difference did it make uh, to that? One, did like they notice the difference? Were you more open about you know, what sort of happened to you and, and your faith? And two, did it sort of change on what you do, like when you were hanging out with them? Yes, I did, and uh, I remember again small little things, but mm. I remember dragging. Well, I wasn't dragging. I mean, I was going up to the local Christian bookshop in my lunch hour from the Building Society, and whereas before I might have sneaked up and hoping nobody saw me go yeah, yeah, into the yeah. shop. This time it was, um, Steve, I'm going up to the Christian bookshop, do you want to come with me? You know, and, yeah, yeah. and I remember him following me up and he got around the books and I bought my Bibles or whatever it was mm. and stuff like that. So, so for me there was that embarrassment began to go. Yeah. And um, um, yeah, so there was more of a boldness, more of an openness with the gospel. I had a big, high expectation of God doing much more than he ever did do, but yeah, the expectation was there that um, we were touching on something which was going to be revolutionary. Yeah. I still think we are, but we're still waiting to see the fulfilment of that. Um, I never did have a whole lot of non-Christian mates that yeah. I kept in touch with. Mm -hmm. Colleagues at work, obviously, while I was in that secular environment. And my school friends just, they, they sort of drifted off a little bit and I never really picked that up. So yeah. didn't go to university. So it was more colleagues at work, um, which would have been my interaction with non-church people. Yeah. Cool. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna shimmy us on a little bit. Um, so our, we both know your your lovely wife Jackie. Um, now I understand you guys got married fairly young. So do you, I don't know. Could you give us a little bit of a? Yes. No. We did. Um, how much detail to give you here? But uh, well. Um, uh, okay. How about how how you met and kind of yeah. Just how you kind of came together and then kind of you know the. Well, she was the instigator. She won't want to, to hear this podcast. Right. Sure. Um, you're thinking uh, you're the second person who said that. I can't remember who said that. I can't remember. Someone else said that. They're like, oh, she wouldn't like to hear this. <laughs> so we were both ended up at the same church. I mean, she was brought there initially by her boyfriend at the time. Um, but, right. yeah, they, they'd broken up. And uh, um, we were both in the same church. Um, by now, we both experienced the Holy Spirit. Um, and I remember her coming up to me one day and saying she felt God wanted her to go out with me. And Classic I, technique. Yeah. <laughs> and I was a little bit put off by, by this. I, I mean, she, she was attractive, she looked good, but um, I hadn't really been thinking about Jackie in my, at the time. Um, but I remember coming back to her a few weeks later and saying, well, maybe there's something in it, why don't we give it a go? Or mm. probably a bit more spiritual than that. But um, anyway... Um, we began to do that. We began to go out with each other, um, and um, and then uh, as relationship developed, uh, again she proposed to me. She, she, again, she okay. wouldn't like to hear that, but I mean, I remember we were painting in somebody's house, and said, "When are we going to get engaged? Why don't we get engaged?" You know, and and um, because I've been engaged already, I, I was a bit reticent and hesitant, and um, might have been six, nine months later or something, which is still not a very long time, is it? But I, I just was hesitant, but anyway, she pushed me and I agreed. And so, um, so we got engaged and I can't remember how long we went out for, but she was still 18, nearly 19 when we got married and yeah. um, I was 22. Yeah. So we were young. Um, yeah. 
But but I remember somebody coming up to Jackie and saying, "You need to know that you're going to have to release Neville um, as a husband, um, not not lose him, yeah. but yeah. but release him in time because there's a call on his life." And uh, I don't think either of us knew what that meant at the time, but uh, yeah. we remembered that later on. I wonder, I wonder what that meant. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't know. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I you've said before how important she is, you know, her mm. support for you and yeah. backing you and everything yeah. is there. Um, I guess it go, kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? Um, I am keen to find out how how you came to be pastor of the church. So you were obviously an elder, yes, uh, yeah, which is yeah. obviously a helping step. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah no, I, um, well, there was a, the two, two founders of the church, um, Gordon and Frank, and... Um, Gordon was the main leader, if you like, and uh, he worked as a decorator, but uh, he took the main responsibility. Frank was a teacher. Um, and I think probably Gordon went to, began to go part-time, but had a bit of a breakdown, just things got a little bit too much. And so you've met Mike Pusey, friend of ours, mm-hmm. and um, he, at that time, good friend of Gordon's, felt that Gordon needed to just take a step back. And after prayer and whatever, I remember a, a meeting being announced, and... I was hardly aware, you know, but uh, a few days later I'd been asked would I be prepared to step into his shoes and take on the role, which I said yes, but we'd never never had a full-time leader being a brethren church that we were. We never had clergy or pastors or anything like that. So um, it was announced with shock at the church meeting, you know, going to appoint Neville as a leader and uh, Mike was going to be train me up and be alongside me and, and, and help me. and. Uh, everything else which he did for three months and then went off to Wales so um, although I visited him a couple of times um, there wasn't too much of that ongoing support which I was expecting at the time so I had to find my way and um, Frank was absolutely great and and he was a father to me and really helped me find my way Mm -hmm. in in, in that role and and I, I got trained on the job really the different courses various aspects here and there on leadership and pastoring and theology and things over the years and uh, the church was fairly small at this mm. time so um, but uh, yeah so we went from there but it was in my heart and I remember we used to meet as men probably six seven eight of us well, that's all the men there were yeah and um, and uh, many of them had a, had a real desire but I think I had a stronger desire that yeah. I felt God called, calling me to pass and be a shepherd and uh, um, so I was surprised when I was asked because you never feel ready for something like that. But um, steep learning curve. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. It was, it was very much so. So in those early days of uh, when you become the leader, mm. you know, it, it's a massive, it's a blessing, mm. definitely, uh, but it's a massive responsibility, and I would assume there would be some challenges. Kind of what kind of challenges were there for you, or maybe sort of it was all internal stuff. Like what was not fear, but you were kind of sort of anxious about in getting into a role like that. I think I just felt totally inadequate, right. um, mm-hmm. Luke. There was nobody to follow. Nobody had been before me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never brought up in a church with a full-time pastor, so it was a little bit, what does it look like? Um, I began to meet with pastors. Yeah. Um, I, I had already been meeting with them just as an, on a part-time basis anyhow, so... Interestingly enough, some of the pastors are still around today, but uh, they were the ones that helped me. And I remember going to 
what's it called, Barry, I said, Barry, I've got a funeral, I don't know what to do, you know, and, and so, so he would just show me the ropes and tell me what to do, and I just had to learn it on the job like yeah. that. Um, so fears, it would have been that, you know, am I doing it well enough, is it good enough? Um, I, I've always been on the shy side, so, you know, I wasn't like the most bold and outrageous, but, um, yeah, with Jackie's support and with a team around me, mm-hmm. um, did the best I can and, and uh, felt well supported by yeah. them. Uh, what, what did your parents think of this sudden kind of escalation of your responsibilities, I guess? Yeah, no, um, I've got a feeling my dad had probably died. Yes, he had. He died a few years before I, I became pastor. Um, and by then, my mum had come to our church. They were in a different church at the time, but when he died, she came and joined us, and I think just very supportive. And uh, I think they saw the desire and the heart which I had on them. So, uh, and and uh, she she was there praying and supporting and encouraging. Mm. So the the whole family were mm. were, were really really important. And you can kind of tell because they still all have your back. Now, yeah, you no, know, totally, yeah. totally. And yeah. nobody could get better brother than John. I mean, he, he tells me what he thinks, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he is so supportive as well, and alongside me, yeah. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, in your sort of family life, you've had three children, yeah. uh, all grown up now and happily married. Three of the best people I know. Uh, if I said four of the best you. people I know, that's including <laughs> you, five, including <laughs> your wife. A uh, truly remarkable family. Oh, let's see if you're... Yeah, right. I was going to say, where am I on this list? <laughs> you're, you're in the top 25. I know, actually, yeah. in a previous joke that Luke says he doesn't actually like me, so... <laughs> no. <laughs> You've made me forget my question. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, so I guess maybe just to sort of end this part, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that the Lord has sort of provided you with and blessed you with in your life. If you could write a thank you note to God, what what would it say? Or you know, for the world to see that, you know who got it so if we have people here who are listening maybe they're new to their faith new to church and stuff um kind of like an open letter to god what what would you write in that letter i think one of the things that if we'd had more i'd have told you more of a story in the sense that Mm -hmm. um yes exciting beginnings but then there was a period of a little bit of disillusionment and questioning, not God, but wondering about purpose and where I should be going. Right. And How, well, you can... If yeah, you, no, well, definitely. Well, Sorry, I rushed a bit there. Yeah, no, well, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so what I was going to say was, yeah, sure. um, having come through that process and having connected with a vision, mm-hmm. um, that gave me greater sense of purpose and destiny and focus again. And so if I was to write a thank you to the God, it would be for his plans and purposes, which he's given me. It's not just wandering around, wondering what I should be doing, where I should be going, but a real sense of a calling um, in family, in church, and, and still, against all the odds, an expectation to see the nation change, to see towns and cities change, to see God moving again through the church. And so privileged to feel that he's given me a part to play in that leadership part, servant part to encourage others um, and to see others and so I'm thinking now a few years time I'm going to be stepping back a bit but by then I really want to see 
12, one for four, strong teams of young men, young women emerging to, to take not just the church on, but to be affecting the town and, and, and the surroundings. And so thank you to God, just a privilege of being involved in that, obviously saved, um, and that whole sense of grace, the grace of God. But I, I think, yeah, it's Lord, there's purpose in this, giving me a great wife, great family, great church to be part of. Um, and it's to show his glory to those that don't yet know. I feel like we've only heard a tiny little portion of your story, so hopefully we'll bring you back one day and hear more of it. Um, but Ned, as we always end every every episode, we always ask for prayer requests, anything we we and the listeners can be praying for for you, any big topics on your mind at the moment. Okay, um, I think it'd be appreciate prayer from the family, mm-hmm. uh, Jackie and myself, but uh, a wider family too. Uh, we know the Lord's plans for us. Pray for the church um, and yeah, leaders in the church, that we raise up leaders that we actually do accomplish that which God's calling us to do. And um, all churches face challenges, we have our own challenges too, so I think just for breakthrough and for um, God to be released more and more through the church into the community. Brilliant. Well, Neville, thank you very much for being a part of our walk this week. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're a wonderful pastor. I wouldn't. Like, I would have left church ages ago if you weren't. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so great. But also, also a good friend. Okay. A good yeah, friend to all you. Of you in my so thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Just like to remind our listeners again where you can find us. If you have Facebook, we do have a Facebook page. Just search our walk. If you have Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter at our walk pod. If you'd like to get in contact uh, with us via email, if you have any feedback, questions, or you'd like to be part of the show yourself, you can email us ourwalkpod at gmail.com or visit our website where you can read blogs, find every episode of our podcast and much more to come, ourwalkpod.com. Thank you very much, Steve. No problem. Thank you again, Pastor Neville. No problem. Everyone, have a good week. God bless. Woo!